want to give you a graphic perspective of yesterday versus today. Say that with me. Say yesterday versus everybody. Say it today. If you got saved in the 80s, you're going to understand this clearly what I'm about to give to you. If you just got saved recently or just came into a leadership position recently, you're not going to understand so much of what I'm talking about when I say yesterday. But you have to remember that it was the values and the principles of yesterday that has gotten us today. That has gotten us this far today is the values and the principles of yesterday. Remember, where you're at today, I'm speaking, of, I'm speaking as a pastor. Where I am at today, I am a licensed minister of the gospel. You know why I am here today? Because of what I did yesterday. So logic says, if I stop doing what I did to get me here today, I possibly won't be here tomorrow. Because it's what I did yesterday. You know what I did yesterday? Yesterday, I was faithful. Yesterday, I was loyal. Yesterday, I, was, I had the vision. Yesterday, I was responsible. Yesterday, I did all those things to get me where I am today. So today, if I stop being faithful, if I stop being loyal, if I stop being responsible, I'm not going to have tomorrow what I have today. Yesterday versus Today, here is a graphic perspective. Number one, yesterday was about loyalty. It was about loyalty. And in your notes, fill this out. Today is about opportunity. You see, yesterday, you know, this church was founded because there was somebody that was loyal. When the pastor came out, he didn't come out here because of an opportunity. That's the difference between yesterday and today. Today, people are looking for opportunity and they turn their back on loyalty. See, a, a, a sign of a true leader is somebody that is more concerned about the team first rather than his own self. And that's what got us where we're at today is because there was a spirit of loyalty in victory outreach. Yesterday was about loyalty. Today, people want opportunity. That's scary. Number two. Yesterday was about, be grateful you have a job. And by the way, these are real case studies that have been taken and have been proven and have been study, has been studied from uh, Samuel Chand. Yesterday was about be grateful that you have a job. Today is about life is a cafeteria. Only answer that if that's Jesus. Yesterday was about be grateful you have a job. I mean, look at our parents. Look at our parents. A lot of them are working the fields. A lot of them, you know, sold Tortillas to aunts and uncles and neighbors. And they were grateful that they had a job. Today's about a cafeteria. They go into some job networking place and take five or six months to choose a job that fits them. That's just the difference of yesterday versus today. Number three. 
Yesterday was about long-term commitment. That's what it was about yesterday. Long-term commitment. Just look at the pastors that got sent out. You know what kind of mentality they had? They had a mentality that I'm going to be buried in the city that I am going to begin my life in. It was a long-term commitment. You look at Pastor Ed Morales. Where is he buried? He's buried in San Jose. Where is he from? He's from Orange County. Why is he buried in San Jose? It's because when he got launched out, he got launched out and he had the mentality of this is a long-term commitment. And boy, is it a long-term commitment. That's what it was about yesterday. You know what today is about? Today is about a short-term fulfillment. People say, where can I be fulfilled just for a month or two? Where can I find a place where I'm going to be happy in ministry? That's the difference between yesterday and today. Long-term commitment versus a short-term fulfillment. I rather I want to feel good rather than do good. See, that's what people's mentality are today. Number four, yesterday was about slow and steady planning. Slow and steady planning. That's what yesterday was about. Today, somebody texted me and they said, Pastor, why does it take three days to prepare a 20-minute sermon? And you know what my answer was to this gentleman? I said, because you don't do things cheap. That's why. That's why. And that's what I'm talking about when I say yesterday was about slow, steady planning. Let me ask you, where do you get your messages from? Do you get them from the Internet? Where do you get them from? Do you, where do you get them? Do you get already made messages? Or do you take time to be slow and steady and plan and pray? Today is about speed and changing strategy. Speed. Speed. Some of you, when we ask you, you're going to preach on Friday. You shouldn't say, well, let me pray about it. Let me get a message. You should have something that has been prepared and ready for presentation. Not speed. Number five, yesterday was about stability. Today is about mobility. See, yesterday it was about being stable, being stable. Today is just about being mobile, being about mobile. Number six, yesterday was about traditional values. Today is about shop around and see what fits. See, that's why you look at people, first of all, those of you that have been here for many, many years. God bless your heart. You know what you have? You have traditional values. You have the value, you have loyalty inside of you. You know what blesses my heart is when I meet somebody and they say, oh, uh, my mother went to this church and her mother went to this church. And I belong to such and such church that's been around for a hundred years. My grandma was there. My mom was there. I'm there and I'm raising up my kids there. You know what that shows me is that they have a traditional value system inside of them. Because grandma laid down her life. 
They have a traditional value system. Today, people shop around and see what fits. That's why you have people that literally church shop. Church shop. They shop around and see what fits. Number seven, yesterday was about respect and responsibility. Today is about challenge and choices. You know, you know what that saying, yesterday, we were taught to respect our leaders. That's what I was taught. Respect your leaders. That's what yesterday was about. You don't talk bad about the man of God. You don't talk bad about the pastor. You don't talk bad about the pastor's wife. You don't talk bad about your leaders. But do you think your eyes are bigger than God? You think you see what God don't in their lives? Let God handle that. The Bible says that's his position. God is the vindicator. That's his place. See, we were taught respect those that are over you. You know what today's about? Today's about challenge and choices. You know, here's, here's, here's what that means. Is that if there's a leader that's over you and, and that's a challenge for you, then you choose if you're going to respect him or not. Just because that's a challenge in your life. We can't fall into this disease that is in the church of United States of America. Yesterday versus today. Listen, I'm here to tell you something. Is that Jesus says that he's the same yesterday today and forever this church and victory average international was built on values and was built on promises was built on principles that has got us this far and they have worked yesterday and they will still work today give the lord a hand for that let us not drown in this disease could you say amen okay now Write this down in your notes. Number one, when, I, when we talk about a generation of free agents, we can't forget as seasoned leaders that leadership is servanthood. That's what leadership is. It was Jesus that said, whoever wants to be a leader among you must first be your servant. Must first be your servant. You know the number one thing that I look for when we appoint leadership? Is if they're servants. That's the number one thing I look for. I don't look at their competence. I don't look at that. The first thing I look at is their character. I say, are they servants? Because if they're not servants, the day they start preaching behind the pulpit... Forget about asking them to come early to help set up. You want to be a leader? Then you must first serve the people. And whoever wants to be first among you, Jesus said, must be a slave of everyone else. See, people get mad when they're treated like slaves. No, you see, that's a wrong mentality. You're not being treated like a slave. You're being treated like a leader. Because that's Jesus' definition of a leader. A leader is a slave among all. Don't treat me like a slave. Who do you think I am? How dare you call me and ask if I can be there early? 
Oh, we thought we can call you because you're a leader. Don't call me. Don't you know who I am? I'm an overseer. You know what I'm doing at World Conference? Hanging up banners. That's what I do at World Conference. And then after that, then I get up there and preach. When I get a phone call, if I can hang up banners and take off banners of trucks, do you think I say, oh, how dare you call me? Don't you know I'm preaching Friday? The usage of the towel. This is not in your notes. The usage of your towel is what gives you permission for your title. Okay? The usage of your towel. What towel am I talking about? The same towel that Jesus took off around his waist when he washed the disciples' feet. And that usage of that towel is what gives you permission for your title. This stuff's not out of a book. This is God-given stuff here. The usage of the towel is what gives a man permission for his title. You can't have a title without a towel. And Jesus said at the end of that verse that I put in your notes, he said, for even the son of man didn't come to, to be served, but to serve. A lot of, listen, we don't need to um, interpret this verse as much as we need to implement this verse. See, that's the problem with preachers, with us preachers, is we always look for the interpretation and we always stay away from the implementation. We think of a revelation rather than how we can implement the verse. So in this text here, when Jesus said that even the Son of Man didn't come to be served but to serve, when I think of that verse, I think of Jesus' service. And it's a world of difference. See, Listen to me, this identifies Jesus' life of serving. It's one thing to see a leper, and it's another thing to touch the leper. That's what Jesus modeled. You see, it's easy to teach leadership. It's easy to, to preach the gospel. A lot of people say, oh, it's hard to preach. I can't get up there and preach. It's not about getting up there and saying it's about when you get off the stage, are you saying the game or are you playing in the game? It's a world of difference. And that's what Jesus taught us. See, Jesus taught us it's one thing to see a leper, but it's another thing to touch the leper. Jesus taught us that it's one thing to hurt for the demonized, and it's another thing to exorcise the demons. See, that's what the chief saw in Victory Outreach. She said, you're just, not, you're just not preaching about it. But you're actually doing something about it. That's service. That is service. That is Jesus' service. It's one thing to sense a need to pray. 
But it's another thing to spend all night in prayer. That's what Jesus served. That's the service of Jesus. Jesus said it's one thing to see hungry people and it's another thing to feed hungry people. That's what Jesus said. Jesus said it's one thing to see dirty feet and it's another thing to wash the feet. Servanthood. We can talk about it. We can idolize it. We can cheer it. We can rally around it. But are we it? Are you a slave? Am I a servant? Because that's what leadership is. The founder of Victory Outreach International. I'm in Hayward, California. And there is a van that is taking the founder around and other ministers around in the van. I'm privileged to be in that van. But before we walk into that van, Pastor Sonny noticed that I'm limping a little bit. And he says, what's wrong with you? I said, I had an injury a while back. I paid $5 for a massage in Acapulco. And uh, God bless that servant's heart. She tore an internal nerve. And he says, oh, whoa. He puts me shotgun and he takes a seat in the back. Servanthood. I'm in Visalia, California, at a funeral. Pastor Sonny's there. And he says, how'd you get here? That's a long drive. He says, you have somebody that could drive your car back? He says, get in my airplane, and I'll fly you to Oxnard. You know how much work that is? You know how much money that is to lift off an airplane and to land an airplane, you know how much fuel it costs just to take off and land? He drops me off in Oxnard, across just a few blocks away from my house. I get in my car, leave as I'm leaving. I still see the airport and I still see the plane planted because now all paperwork needs to be done. He could have been home way before but why? Because he's a servant. Two months ago or so, I'm at the corporate office. I walk into the lunchroom. Pastor Sonny's in there. He says, you want some coffee? I go, yeah, I'll get it, Pastor. No, don't worry about it. He walks to the coffee pot. He makes the coffee. He pours in the coffee cup, puts the creamer, puts the sugar, and walks it over to me and hands it to me. The founder of Victory Outreach International. Why? I don't care how far he has come. He's never been too far to forget service. People confuse intentions with achievements. See, some of you are here, you're saying, I know all that stuff already. 
Is it intentions or is it achievements? Because there's a difference. And us leaders, we confuse intentions with achievements. Somebody once said, our church don't need heroes. The church needs action heroes. <laughs> Number two, write this down. Free agent leaders, greatest struggle in life is change. Change. I like what John Maxwell says. He says, there's two types of hurt regarding change. And he says, number one, the hurt that causes us to want to change. That's the first type of hurt. See, many of you ended up in the men's home because you experienced that type of hurt. You said, man, I want to change. I want to change. See, you were hurting enough. That you wanted to change. That's one type of hurt. The other type of hurt is number two. The change that causes us to hurt. See change hurts. That's the problem with stuck leaders. Is they don't want to hurt. Change hurts. That's the problem with stuck leaders. Why are leaders stuck? Is because they're comfortable. Have you ever been so comfortable in your sofa you were stuck? You didn't want to get out? You say, Mom, can you give me some water? You get it. I'm comfortable. Churches that struggle to change, struggle to grow. You know what change does? Change creates movement. See, that's what happens. Change creates movement. And hear me now. If we want to be a church, if we want to be a leadership that is going to continue to grow, then you know what we got to do? We got to move if we want to grow. And in order for us to move, change is the only thing that creates movement. Movement. It's simple. See this mic in my right hand? I want it in my left hand. But I can't get it to my left hand unless what? Unless I change this mic to this hand. Until I change it. If I change it, then I just created a movement. And because I created a movement, I went from this place to this place. That's what leadership is all about. Those of us that haven't changed, we're stuck. And we're stuck means we're not growing. I believe leaders should always be moving. Remember we sang that song a long time ago? I'm going to another level. Let me ask you a question. Did you ever get to that other level? Because you sure sang it a whole lot. In 2008, you sang that song a whole lot. Another level. You even lifted up the key, another level. And uh, the question is, did you ever get there? Think about it. Are you in the same place you are today that you were in 2008? 
Because if you are, then perhaps you haven't changed. Because change creates movement. And I truly believe that if you are a leader, God wants you to move from one level to the next level. And after you're there, then God wants you to move from that level to another level. But that will never happen unless you change. Because that's what creates movement. Okay, I have to close with this. I'm sorry. I know I said it was going to be short. But I'm sorry about this. Number three. Free agent leaders... Roman numeral three, don't want to belong to anybody. We got to be careful. If you don't want to belong to anybody other than you and God, number one, that's not Christ-like. Number two, the Bible says totally opposite of that. Because the Bible makes it very clear in the book of Romans, Paul the Apostle says, so those of us who are in Christ, and I assume all of us are in Christ if we're in leadership. He says, we are many, but we form one body. And what does he say? He says, and each member belongs to one another. So you can't sit here and say, I just report to God. You can't sit here and say, God's my only leader. You can't do that. Not even I can do that, and I'm the lead pastor of this church. We can't say that. Those people who say that do their own thing in life. Paul made it very clear. He says, if you're in Christ, if you're, in Christ, if you're not in Christ, then, then you could do your own thing. But if you're in Christ, he says, we who are many, we form one body and each member belongs to one another. You just don't belong to Jesus. Serious, Brother Shatara, you just don't belong to Jesus. <laughs> Sister Alleluia, you just don't belong to Jesus. You don't. Paul is saying, you belong to me. I know that sounds cultish, but it's scriptural. You belong to me. I am your shepherd. I am your pastor. I am your leader. You belong to me. Do you know what else Paul is saying? I belong to you. We belong to one another. Right? Even, even La Bamba said, we belong together. <laughs> okay, let me close with this. I've said it before and I'll say it again. The word member is not member that you might think of. Like, for example, I'm a member of Bally's Fitness Center. Not that kind of member. You know what this word member means in the New Testament? This word member means this. Taken in the book of Romans. Here's what the word member is translated to. 
vitally connected. That's what the word member means. Vitally connected. Now, you notice how I'm giving you the both words to this interpretation. It's not just connected, but it's vitally connected. Now, when we take that word vital, you know where that word is taken from in the New Testament? That word vital is actually taken from a, a translation that will, will state this, an indispensable to the continuance of life. You know, this is going to help you understand this a little bit more. When somebody is critically injured, there is something that a doctor or any medic will check first. And the first thing that they check is what are the vitals in a person's body. The vital signs. That's what this word vital means. So when you take these two definitions and now you look at it as being vitally connected. That's a member. That is vitally connected. That means you are as important as the vital organs in the body. See, I can't live without my heart. That's a vital organ. I can't live without you. This church cannot live without you. Because you're vital. But free agents don't see that. Free agents say, I don't belong to anybody. Free agents say, I don't need to report to anybody. Free agents says, oh, it doesn't matter. I am who I am. See, that's a free agent. That disease will not come into Victory Outreach Oxnard. Give the Lord a good hand of praise because we are on a right track. Father, I come to you and I thank you for everything that you're doing in our life and everything you're doing in our church. Lord, we rebuke this disease that has already afflicted many churches around this country. God, this church was planted on loyalty. This church was planted on commitment. This church was planted with sacrifice. Lord, the things of yesterday will still be alive today. In spite of how many years our church has been here, the values of yesterday will still be alive today. Protect us, every leader in this place. I ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. And everybody says amen and amen. Give the Lord a good hand. Thank you, Jesus.